Good morning. Buenos dias. Welcome to worship and life together here at Calvary Baptist Church. We continue to gather virtually for the time being through the month of February as we monitor the Omicron variant and can continue the beautiful and sacred work of keeping one another healthy and safe and seeing our way through these days. But that doesn't change the fact that we are doing formative and beautiful and imaginative work here together as a community of faith. So if you're finding us on Facebook Live or you're here in our Zoom room, we want you to know that you are meeting us in sacred space. We are growing together. We are learning together. We are sustaining each other together. We are challenging each other and we are seeking to be an imaginative and multi-racist and um, multi-racial and multi-ethnic congregation of faith doing God's work in the world. We continue this morning as we imagine alongside Black History Month, we seek to be learners and dreamers alongside a story that shapes the American landscape that shapes the churches landscape. We have much work to do together, much learning to do together, much dreaming to do together. So we find ourselves in that sacred space this morning. We, as a reminder this morning, we will gather for communion. So you have a few minutes before we do. So go ahead and set your tables, find something to eat and something to drink. And in the next few minutes, we will um, eat around that table together. We'll also be lifting up uh, beautiful work that a number of you in, in a, a group have gathered to do together. You've signed up as volunteers and said you want to do this beautiful work of supporting an Afghan refugee family that is now being housed in this area. And we've now been, this group has now been assigned a family. And while we won't mention specifics about that in this forum, we will pray as a community for our volunteers as they prepare to do this beautiful work and for this family that God has connected us and this community to. Finally, we have the great gift of hearing from one of our very own Brittany Riley as she speaks words of wisdom and formation and story and life to us. Um, we are so honored um, to be able to do that this morning. And we already lift her up in prayer as she prepares to, to speak, to preach, to offer us voice this morning. Is that enough for today? I think oh, wait, be no, a beautiful day. There's more. No, there's more. <laughs> I know. We have an economic justice forum gathering after worship and after our you know, brief time of coffee hour um, where we're going to be learning more about worker owned cooperatives and hearing from voices in the DC area doing this beautiful work and thinking about economic justice in some pretty, pretty imaginative and transformative ways. Is that enough now? That's definitely enough. Okay. So we got a lot going on this morning. And I didn't even mention that before worship, our new board members were gathered. Um, to, to learn a little bit more about what it means to be on the board, to offer leadership and vision to this congregation. This Zoom link has already been hopping. There's a lot going on, y'all. So I'm going to take a deep breath now <laughs> and pray that we each and collectively breathe together as we offer the light to one another this morning and sing, Esta lucecita. This little light of mine. Let's sing together. Esta lucecita la derribia. Esta lucecita la derribia. Esta lucecita la dejaré brillar, brillará, brillará, brillará. Este lado más, amor, let it shine. Este lado más, 
Good morning. Please join us in a call to worship. In the beginning, before humans were formed, in Asia's new God's great present, the spirit moved over the universe. Ashe, the earth is the Lord's and all that it's in, the world and those who live in it. For God has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. In quiet peace, God created humans, women and men, colorful, balanced, and creatively diverse and the beauty of God, love filled the earth. Ashe, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In honor of Black History Month, we remember names because of the ancestor who made a way out, no way with God before them, beside them, and lovingly guiding succeeding generations. Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, and Jarena Lee, W.E. Du Bois, uh, Thurgood Marshall, and Martin Luther King, Ida B. Wells, Fanny Lou Hamer, and Ella Baker. These and more represent the great cloud of witnesses. Their spirit lingered with us, creating new generations of warriors, preachers, prophets, teachers, activists, organizers, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters of the African diaspora. Ashe, after this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed with palm branches in their hand. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Ashe and Amen. So good morning again. My name is Eugenia Reyes, and I have the privilege to be the Deacon of the Week. I, as a Deacon of the Week, I will be available to pray with you, for you, or to listen, if that is the case that you need me for. Any concern, anything that you would like to share with me and with the whole congregation, you have my information in the bulletin. I will be gladly and lovingly listening to you. For our visitors and for our new members, we welcome you. Bienvenidos. This is a great community of faith. And we are so happy, we are so happy that you decided to join us. And if you're thinking to join us, we also welcome you. So now let us share to one another the peace of the Lord. La paz del Señor sea contigo. Contigo también. Let's greet one another with the peace of Christ. Peace with everyone. Make us one Worship where we gather around our virtual table to celebrate a common meal. 
Gathering at tables is an ancient practice. It's a common practice. And the way that we practice it together in the church, the way that Jesus taught his disciples, it's also a subversive practice. It's one where we practice mutuality and a shared meal. In the early church, they struggled with dismantling the hierarchy of the table. But Jesus showed them by breaking the bread, the one bread that they all ate from, and by passing the cup, the cup that they shared with one another, how they might practice and experience mutuality of life, of a common meal. When we gather at this table, even on Zoom, we're still sharing in this one body in this one cup. And we invite the ancestors to be present in our midst at this table as well as we know that they are. So I invite you now to take your bread. On the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room, he was preparing them, offering them a practice, a way to get together and to do it again and again and again to share the bread. This is the bread of life given to you. Take and eat. In the same way, poured out the cup and shared it with each of them from the same pitcher. This is the cup of life, the cup of the new covenant given for you. Let's take and eat this meal together. Breathe the bread of life. The cup of the new covenant. Thanks be to God. Sally, the bread of life and the cup of salvation and wholeness and life. Let us pray. Padre amoroso, Padre poderoso, traemos ante ti todo lo que está turbando nuestro corazón. Venimos ante ti con un corazón humilde para pedir tu ayuda, para que nos transformes, para que nos sanes. Padre, pedimos de tu ayuda para que podamos ser luz, esa luz que brille, Padre, en todo lugar, esa luz que brille donde más se necesite. Te pedimos, Padre, que podamos siempre vivir nuestras vidas en agradecimiento por todo lo que nos das. Tomando en cuenta, Padre, que todo lo que nos has dado es para que podamos ser dadores alegres y podamos llevar esperanza a todos aquellos que lo necesitan. Traemos ante ti, oh Padre, nuestras oraciones para que todos nosotros, nuestra congregación de Calvary, continúe siempre sembrando amor y compasión en este trabajo hermoso que has puesto en esta misión que has puesto a Calvary. Que todos nosotros, Padre, seamos bendecidos para que podamos ser bendición. Por lo tanto, traemos nuestras vidas y las dedicamos para que podamos ser sembradores de tu semilla aquí en tu reino. Todo esto lo traemos y lo agradecemos en el nombre poderoso de Jesús. Nuestro Padre, nuestro Sanador, nuestro Redentor y nuestro Guía. Amén. Amen, y amen. Damos gracias hoy día. We give thanks today for words of comfort, connection, and life. This morning's refrain connects to a particular portion of the scripture and 
you'll hear it as you prepare hearts and minds for a word this morning. scripture lesson is from Psalm 18. The rock who gave us birth is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Holy One. May she be praised. And from my enemies, I shall be saved. The snares of death encompass me. The rivers of wickedness assailed me. The snares of Sheol encircled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon she who hears. To my God, I cried for help. From her temple, she heard my voice, and my cry came before her to her ears. Then the earth shuddered and quaked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and were shaken because of her anger. Smoke went up from her nostrils and consuming fire from her mouth. Burning coals blazed forth from her. She spread out the heavens and descended. Thick darkness was under her feet. She mounted upon, upon a cherub and flew. She soared upon the wings of the wind. She made darkness her veil around her, her canopy dark waters and thick clouds. She reached down from on high she took me. She drew me out of the multitude of water. She delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hate me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. Yet the sheltering God was my support. She brought me out into a broad place. She delivered me because she delights in me. Amen. This morning, we have the profound gift of hearing from Brittany Riley Swanbeck, who is a lawyer, advocate, amateur historian, who's been a member of Calvary Baptist Church community since 2014. And I think if I'm doing the math right, that's eight years, mm -hmm. right? Two of those may count as pandemic years. But that's still eight beautiful years as part of this sacred community. In other words, Brittany, you've, you've been with us a minute or two. You have been growing and imagining and deepening each of our lives with your presence here. So this morning, we give thanks for your words and your wisdom granted to us, your community of faith who loves you and has already learned so much from you. Probably my, well, there are many favorite parts of your bio, I already told you that, but probably my most favorite, I guess, 
is where you said that you received your undergraduate degree from William Jewell College in Kansas City, Missouri, where you took classes such as what was Jesus doing? A question you're still working to figure out. (laughs) Aren't we all? Aren't we all? And we get to do it together. Brittany, I lift up the names of the grandmothers you listed in your bio as well. I invite them here to be with us, to help shape us. Ruth Riley and Eugenia Turner McBride, thank you for your witness, your love, and for helping bring Brittany into this world and now into our world. So this morning, as we hear Desmond and Chris sing, just a closer walk with thee, I invite you to already be taking deep breaths and preparing together to listen together and to keep lifting up our sister, Brittany. Desmond and Chris, thank you for that beautiful selection. Um, Can you all hear me okay? (laughs) Uh, I am so grateful for this community and the chance to be here to share with you all. Uh, I I am so honored and humbled. Um, Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about suffering. I know we've all had our fair share the past few years, and so I'm not not necessarily trying to make you relive it, but as I think about 
Black history, Black religion, and, and Black life and how they've shaped the ways I've experienced the past few years. I keep coming back to what they've always taught me about suffering. And before I begin, I should be clear that Black life is so much more than suffering. It is joy and laughter and freedom um, and love and so many other beautiful things. It is it is dear and it is sacred to me, but there is also suffering. And I think what has gotten me through this time is knowing deep in my bones that one, the suffering will come. It, it is in some ways inevitable. Um, that two, we don't suffer alone. And three, that the suffering is does not last forever. And so if you all will in, <laughs> indulge me for a little bit, I would love to just talk to you a little bit about that. So um, I've always known that suffering is on always on the table. I grew up in a Black church, Allen Chapel, AME, in the old Quindaro neighborhood of Kansas City, Kansas, where my grandmother still goes. <laughs> um, and if I close my eyes, I am right back in that little white church um, with its red stairs and its wood pews, um, sitting in the third row, listening to pastor preach about a God who overcame, a God who is with us, a God who holds us. And I can hear the choir with my aunt singing in it and my, my cousin on the drums. Um, just... Just I can hear it. And the music is so good. <laughs> you know, it's um, it is. Even when I was a very impatient child in a dress that I didn't want to wear, um, I <laughs> always wanted to hear the choir. Um, and now that I'm older, I, I, I almost always cry a little bit when they sing. And so some of my favorite songs from the Black Church catalog include Going Up Yonder, Down by the Riverside, Walk Around Heaven. And if you don't know some of those, I'm not going to sing them for you. That's no one invited me here for that. And you'll have to, <laughs> you'll have to sit next to me in service if you want to hear even a little bit of it, but I don't recommend it. But I'll tell you the words. So Going Up Yonder, there's part of the, the song is, if anybody asks you where I'm going, I'm going up yonder. I can take the pain, the heartaches they bring, because the comforts in knowing I'll soon be gone. And as God gives me grace, I'll run this race until I see my Savior face to face, because I'm going up yonder. And walk around heaven, you know, similarly is one of these mornings won't be very long. You'll look for me and I'll be gone. And I'm going to a place where I'll have nothing to do, but just walk around all day, walk around heaven all day. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing and shout because nobody will be able to put me out. Now, by now you all have probably caught on to the theme. These songs are so, so often about dying and heaven. Um, always about going someplace other than here. And so when I was in middle school or high school, we moved and I started going to more white evangelical churches and the tone of the music and the messages, they shifted. They were, it was a lot more, how great is our God? And all these songs about God's power. And it was a bit of a culture shock. I remember thinking, wait, do you all not do the death is coming for me soon songs here? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see. That makes sense. Um, but anyway, it's, it's probably not a surprise that during the pandemic, I've sort of gone back to the songs of the Black church, the I don't feel no ways tired, peace in the valley, how I got over those songs that, that rooted me. Um, I've been extremely blessed in my life. Um, I could never imagine the beautiful life that I have now. Um, but that life has not always been easy. And I know that my parents' lives have been far more difficult than mine. 
and that their parents' lives were far more difficult and their parents' lives even more difficult and so on and so on. And I, I don't have to recount for you the centuries of Black and Indigenous ancestors suffering for you to grasp it. Um, it come from a people who are strong because they have to be. And in, of course, in my life and in theirs, there's been unfathomable joy and love, but there has always been a sense that we've suffered before, we'll suffer again, and we'll keep going. And I, I will tell you, one of the most painful parts of the pandemic for me um, happened pretty early. It was um, the summer of 2020. And it was really when things were sort of ramping up. And we, I think, I think we had all realized by that point that we weren't going, going back to work in a few weeks, like, like we expected, or we weren't going back to life as normal in a few weeks. And one night I, I just felt like I was looking into the future and I just, I, I, I curled into Sonia's lap, um, my wife, Sonia, and I, and I wept because even though this is my first global pandemic, um, it all just felt so much more familiar than it should have. And, and as much as I hope to be wrong, I, I already knew the story of sickness and pain falling disproportionately on black and brown and indigenous folks and poor folks. And even worse, I knew the story of those in power sheltering themselves away from suffering or worse, actively participating in the destruction of black and brown people. Like that story is an old standby. And yet here it was again. And I just, I felt overwhelmed um, to see what I thought I knew was coming. Um, it was like my body remembered the generational trauma. Um, but even knowing that suffering comes and that when it comes, it often comes disproportionately. I was not prepared for the magnitude of it. And that so much suffering would be a complete misunderstanding of something that had been instilled in me since my birth. <laughs> These concepts of family and kin and community. Because the one thing, one of the things that the Black church and that my life as a Black woman has always taught me is that we never suffer alone, that suffering is not meant to be endured alone. Um, at my home church back in Kansas, yeah, Alan, every Sunday we come to the altar. So in front of the pulpit, there's a, there's a semicircle that jut, juts out and there's a little ridge and it takes up pretty much all of the front, all of the space at the front. And every Sunday without fail, Everyone, every single person at the church lines up and fills in that space around the altar and spends just a few minutes praying silently. And it's, it's one of the, the rhythms that I remember most clearly. And I will say, y'all, it took forever. It, it just it took so long. Everyone had to line up. Lots of like older women had to be like lifted there, like, you know, help to get down, help to get up. Some people, some people spent a little more time there than was probably necessary, but here we are. Uh, and as a child, I just, I was always like thinking about lunch by this point. Um, but as an adult, I can sort of see the deeper meaning of that time, even though it was something that we did at home, you know, that sort of kneeling before bed to pray, there was something about doing it collectively. And I think the reason that we did it is because in that moment, we were not just taking our cares before the Lord. We were sharing in a collective acknowledgement of the fact that we are in need. We are bringing our joys and our suffering and our tears before God, but also in front of one another, before one another, because all 50-something of us in that little church were a family. And I, I've always understood the definition of family to be large. I, um, I actually come from a pretty big family. My dad is one of 10 and my mom's one of five. Two of my grandparents are from families of eight plus children. Um, and so my family actually is quite large, just, the, just, just my biological family. 
Um, but the real reason that my family is so large is that is because everybody seems to have treated, you know, actual biological links as really optional for family ties. Um, my sweet, wonderful wife um, has started undertaking the very difficult job of trying to figure out who everyone is in my family as I introduce them to her or as I tell, you know, silly stories that I remember from my childhood. And it's not uncommon for her to ask, okay, so how are you related to this person again? And so often the answer, and you know, sometimes the answer is, oh, that's my aunt Faye's child. That's my cousin, my first cousin. Um, but a lot more often the answer is something more like, um, uh, maybe an uncle or maybe a cousin. Okay, I, I actually don't know the answer, but they're kin. <laughs> And in a global pandemic where one of the most important things seems to be convincing folks to take care of each other, that idea of kin just keeps coming back to me. Because what, I, what I've always known or what I've learned and what has been instilled in me is that kinship tells us that the people who live in our houses are not the only people who matter. Kinship tells us that when your neighbor or your coworker or your child's friend or your cousin's cousin's cousin suffers, it matters. And it matters because they're yours. They're yours to care for, to cherish, to put up with. And you are theirs to put up with, to care for, and to meet in the suffering. That's what it means to be kin. And this is kinship and, or as Maria, Pastor Maria would say, the kingdom of God. Um, and in black community, that kinship means that we're never alone as we're suffering and that we shouldn't be. And so I know I've brought us a little low to this. I know that um, this is not, maybe not the upbeat sermon you promised, you were promised. But that's okay. The good news is coming. My life in the Black church has also taught me to lean into the idea that suffering ends. And I think that that's true. First, because our suffering has a root. One of the things that the pandemic has revealed about our society is some of the things that like, maybe we already knew. It's clear and clearer. That for so many of us, especially black and brown folks, our suffering is rooted in the fact that others would sacrifice, at the, sacrifice us at the altar of profit and convenience and personal freedom. Those old destructive gods. And it's become clearer and clearer that our lives do not matter to white supremacy or colonialism or their kin, capitalism. And that their worshipers would do anything to keep them alive, but not us. And I think the reason our suffering, I know that our suffering is not forever, is because we can and we must pull out those roots. That that is a story that we are living into. The roots of white supremacy and colonialism and capitalism. And the most shallow versions of freedom. They got they, they to come out. I, I can't garden to save my life. Um, I did not get my grandmother's green thumb. But I know that when you want to kill a weed, that you have to grab it by the roots and you have to pull with everything that you have until there is nothing left. And that that is the, that is the work of our lives, is to uproot and to replant something new. And another reason I know that suffering is not forever is because that replanting, that building something new, that remaking of this world, it's the very heart of the faith that I practice. Um, I'll be honest with you, there are days <laughs> where I'm tempted to just think of Christianity as a colonizer's religion, uh, to say that my Black and Cherokee ancestors chose it in a way, it is a little misleading. 
And so to the extent that Christianity is about a king or a God who conquers, wiping enemies off the face of the earth and bringing us all riches um, and making them bow before him, I don't have a ton of use for that kind of Christianity. But Jesus, I, I think he's one of us, one of the oppressed, and a God who proclaims that she does not toss her hat in with the rich and the powerful and those who would call themselves good, but instead stands with and for the poor and the dispossessed and the scorned and the suffering. That'll preach. And that more than anything is the heart of my faith, that in the midst of that suffering, that there is a God who stands with and for us. And calls us into action, calls us into a replanting, and that the garden will grow so long as we so long as we plant. Um, thanks be to God, widow. Friends. We'll offer words of benediction in a moment, but just to repeat back as we prepare for this departing hymn, Brittany just beautifully <laughs> broke down for us wisdom for the living of our days, reminding us that the suffering will come reminding us that we don't suffer alone, that we have kinship networks and reminding us, ooh, really preaching to us that suffering will not last forever. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me, let's sing. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. Oh. Uh -huh.
Brittany, thank you so, so much for, I, I heard you at one point say, you know, I didn't bring you the joyful sermon you might think you were promised, but, but, but beloved one friend, you brought the honest word to us. You brought us truth. You brought us life. You brought us bread to sustain us honestly about what we are holding collectively, about the particular challenges each of our bodies face based on our stories and context. And you brought us the true witness of our faith, the one that we must continue weeding out and replanting life into. So we are only grateful for the honest word this morning. So as we prepare ourselves to go, but first spend time in coffee hour and then spend time on worker-owned cooperatives, <laughs> but go, so to speak. Um, first, we want to pause and take a moment to really honor and bless the work that will be beginning among a group of volunteers at Calvary who are also connected to a group of volunteers at National City who are supporting Lutheran social services as they help house Afghan refugees who find themselves in this area. And we've now been assigned a family and will begin that work sooner rather than later. And so it matters to take a moment and honor that. And to me, Brittany, you have built the connect point. You said that kinship is not just the people who live with us, right? That kin, the deep work of kinship reminds us that it's not just the people who live with us who matter, who live in our homes are the ones who matter. Kinship presses us to imagine that every person we connect with matters. This is why we say Black lives matter. This is why we say Indigenous lives matter. We are saying they are made in the image of the divine. We are saying they are kin, that we are kin, that we are rooted in a kinship network. And so this is an expression of us being kin in the world to offer this love and support to a family, to provide household items, to help with English as a second language classes, to help get them to doctor's appointments, to help help them learn the area and how to get from one place to another. This is kinship come to life. So we're going to pray for this family and for the volunteers who've signed up. And I'm pulling this from an email so I want you to interrupt me, volunteers, if I don't say your name right now, actually. You can unmute yourself and tell me, no, I'm supposed to be listed as a volunteer, but I want to say your name so that we remember to lift you up. So Carol Blythe, Nancy Renfro, Laura Canfield, Sandy Amon, Jackie Wright, Rick Goodman, Amparo Palacios, Eugenia Reyes, Amy Shaw, Tim Shaw, Becky Vaughn, Lee Mayfield, Shioe, Andrea Powell, Brooke Davis, believe Tim Mom Zip. I've seen some emails as well involved. Am I missing anyone? Of course, you can sign up later too, but I, we have said your names. We are grateful to you for, on behalf of our community, investing in this act of kinship. Who'd I miss? Salima, hi. Salima. Thank you, Salima Apia Duffel. Thank you for naming yourself. Thank you for dreaming up this work. Let's pray together a moment. Oh God, we lift up this beautiful family to you now living in the area and looking to make a new home and a new life here. God, you know they have lost so much. They have walked away in the midst of wrenching crisis from so much. 
They've closed a door that cannot be reopened in order to survive. It is beyond comprehension what they are feeling and holding and grieving and working through. And now, Holy One, one who is called Allah in one language, who is called Jehovah in another, who is called Dios in another, who is called many names in many ways. You have dared to bring us together as kin and have offered us the sacred opportunity to know and lift each other up. So we lift up each person who's offered their hands and their hearts as a volunteer to this effort for every conversation that they have, for every household item that they collect, for every meal they share, every ESL tutoring session they offer, every bit of laughter that's exchanged, every bit of sorrow that's acknowledged. We lift it all up to you and we prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our souls. Thank you for kinship, Holy One. We go now, beloved, in peace, in joy, in sorrow, in honesty about what it means to be kin to each other peace today. Know that you are welcome to join us here on Zoom for coffee hour, as well as the Economic Justice Forum and Conversation. Please come on over. We're, I said that this Zoom link has been on since early this morning, and it's still going today. So join us. Blessings, beloved.